Thank you for tuning in to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. So welcome to the beautiful gospel series. We're going to take the next few weeks on Tuesdays and Thursdays and just talk about why the gospel is so beautiful. Uh, We're going to talk about how Jesus reveals um, the true nature of the Father. Jesus reveals uh, who God actually is. And uh, we're going to take a look at an acronym uh, that I think uh, explains the gospel very eloquently uh, and therefore makes it uh, even more beautiful, in my opinion. Uh, Over the last few years, because I have taught this series before, but over the last few years, um, I've really dug into uh, folks like Brad Jerzak, Brian Zahn, um, Keith Giles, uh, and then um, where I first heard the acronym that we're going to use here later on in the series, the acronym WEAT, um, I heard it from uh, a blogger whose name is Chuck McKnight, and he's written extensively on that acronym, and, and we'll give him some credit and and some links to show so you can uh, check out some of his stuff. But all those guys, uh, Greg Boyd, um, just um, really good stuff and um, digging really hard into the Gospels and then also uh, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. Uh, really, you can uh, dig in and see just what um, just some of these concepts that we're going to talk about. Um, but today I thought we'd do an intro and, and then jump in. Okay. So in Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19. Um, this is right after um, Jesus is baptized, and then he goes into the wilderness, and he's tempted for 40 days, and then he comes out, and he goes to Nazareth, and he um, goes to the temple, and as a custom, you know, they would have a rabbi read from a scroll, and this time they handed Jesus uh, the book of Isaiah, and he turns and he reads uh, this passage. It says, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners. You are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. So here's Jesus. It's the beginning of his ministry. And he basically lays out, Hey, this is the reason why I'm here. I'm here to, uh, see, uh, the poor find hope for there to be freedom for those who are brokenhearted, for there to be new eyes for the blind and to preach freedom to prisoners. And so what was, uh, Jesus setting people free from? He was setting them free from past mindsets. He had come to set folks free for how they saw the Father and how they saw themselves. Okay, so the 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 past way of doing things, the religion that was before the people, what it was bringing uh, over time was brokenness, mindlessness. Uh, I, there's a ton of identity identity issues. There's depression. Uh, there's religious oppression and addictions, all this is going on. And Jesus comes to open the eyes of the blind so they can see who the father really is, see how the father sees them. And so therefore find their true identity. And so what Jesus came to do, uh, 
is he come to declare that we are sons and daughters? We read about that later on. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8, um, that he came to remind us that we were created in his image. That's from Genesis 126. Um, he told us that we were bearers of his light. That's from Matthew 5. Uh, that that um, Paul would later talk about how we are the mirror image of the sun. Uh, and then also that um, in Psalm 23, it talks about how um, we are so loved that we have a place at the Father's table. And so this is an important uh, uh, thing that Jesus is trying to bring about uh, in his ministry and his life and what he's teaching. He's trying to show us that we have a place at the table with the Father. Um, so this is the beautiful gospel. This is why this is so good. Um, it's because it opens the door and shows us that uh, we have a place to come and sit at the Father. Hebrews 6 talks about how there is an anchor of hope where we can come in boldly and be before the presence of the Father, that we have a place at the table. Now, the term beautiful gospel, it's been around before. Uh, people have used it. I remember when I was a kid here and an evangelist share it. Uh, recently, I know guys like Brian Zahn and Brad Jerzak and, and Chuck McKnight and others have been using it a lot. Uh, and it really sums up uh, the good news because it is beautiful. And I remember um, a few years ago sitting at a table uh, with a friend of Lindsay and I's, and she kind of grew up in the same uh, denomination that we had and heard the same things, you know, like, you know, that God's angry and there's a certain way that you have to um, live and a certain way you have to act to get God's approval. Um, you know, hell was a major motivator to live right. And then there was, you know, also the scare tactic of the rapture that was supposed to be a motivator to live right. And then anytime that you felt like you were suffering, then you knew you were on the right path because suffering was a motivator to live, you know, to show you that, Hey, you're living right. Um, and I just remember sitting there talking and, and, and just hearing her and, say things like, you know, sometimes I just feel like, you know, I can never have his approval. Sometimes I feel like he's always mad at me. Um, what about these folks? Is God ever going to love them? And I, I just remember looking at her and say, this is what you need to know, that God's not mad at you. And that his, his heart is for you to know that you have a place with him. And that his, his, his heart is not in the torment business. He's actually in the forgiveness business. He's actually in, hey, let's walk life out together, which is what re relationship is. And so, you know, as I sat there and I, and, and I shared some of these things with her, I could see her eyes begin to open. And I shared some of those scriptures where, you know, uh, it said that uh, Jesus, you know, him and the Father are one, and if you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. And I said, just look back at all the places and all the things that Jesus did, how He helped people, how He loved people, no matter where they were at. He He reached His hand out. Um, he He looked after those that nobody else wanted anything to do with. Um, he He went out of His way to meet people like the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, these are these are the things that Jesus did, and and He's showing us who the Father really is. I said, so when you see that you can understand that he actually loves you and that the father is here for you. 
And that's what Jesus was trying to do. And man, her eyes lit up and she was like, what? Why did anybody share this with me? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but we're sharing it now. Um, but that conversation, as I walk through some of the things, and I've had other conversations with other people before, and I started looking at the way we have operated as a church. You know, we've used hell as a motivator. We've used the rapture as a motivator. We use the excuse of, you know, things not going right or suffering as, you know, we're on the right track because the devil's trying to bring us down because we're doing good. And, all, and, that, and this whole thing that God's going to be mad if you screw up, he's going to be upset with you. And when I look at those concepts, I'm like, where, where is love and where is Jesus? And it's not there. Uh, you might remember the time when uh, Jesus walks into the temple and he says, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the church has been really good at that. The church has been good as presenting a thieves gospel. That... Um, the good news is not about relationship, but it's actually about a bill of sales. And Jesus, you know, when you think about it, prayer is communication, it's relationship. And so Jesus is basically saying, my father's house is supposed to be a place of relationship, but you have made it into a place of transaction where people are bringing everything to you and you are giving them cheap grace. You are giving them cheap Mercy, you're giving them cheap understanding. You're giving them cheap teachings. And it's no wonder, think about it, it's no wonder nobody wants to hear what the church has to say today because we're doing the same thing. We are selling a broken bill of sales that keeps destroying lives because people aren't finding grace and mercy in relationship. All they're finding is um, systems that are broken and behavior modification that doesn't work. Jesus said to those uh, that followed him, that believed him, that they should continue to embrace all that he teaches. Well, what was he teaching? He was teaching that God loves you and sees you as a son and daughter. And the more we embrace that, the more we, we embrace that we are sons and daughters, the more we become, quote unquote, a true follower true followers walk in freedom. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, right? So what is he setting us free from? He's setting us free from sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. That's what that means in Greek, missing the mark. It's not actions. It's not, it's not behavior. It's missing out on something. Well, what's the big picture here? What have we been missing out on? We've been missing out on who the father is. We've been missing out on his true intentions, and we're missing out on who we really are. When we don't see God correctly, when we think that he's mad and he's angry and upset with us, we're broken. Broken on the inside because we feel like we can never do anything good enough. And so then we try to fix ourselves with laws and commandments. That's trying to fix behavior. but. That might make us feel better for a season, but there's no real relationship. There's no love. There's no connection. So eventually the behavior modification is going to fall away. See, punishment, judgment like this doesn't last. Think about it. Our prison systems are falling apart because 
There's no love. There's no relationship. There's no forgiveness. There's no honor. There's no walking alongside. There's just punishment. And that's it. And that punishment might work for a while. That punishment might be a deterrent to a little bit. But the big picture is people aren't really changing. They're just taking their dues, getting free, and then going back into it again. But relationship, love, walking it out, living in relationship, those things begin to shift. Um, Folks that continually teach behavior modification and continually teach this broken system, Jesus calls those folks the offspring of the devil. Now, when uh, we talk about the devil here, we're not talking about, you know, pitchfork, red suit, pointy horns. That's that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about anyone that enslaves folks with this broken perspective. Anyone that is enslaving someone else with broken perspective, broken point of views. And so this broken view, folks that teach this broken view of father, this broken view of how you modify behavior through commandments and through laws, trying to show that this is what takes place of relationship. Um, he calls this, <laughs> he, he says that you're just the offspring of the devil. Or in other words, you're just perpetuating the problem. And so this is, he's basically saying, this is why people keep living the way they do. Because they're broken, and they've been given a broken system, and so they keep breaking things. They've been taught how to be enslaved, and not what true freedom is. They've been taught this den of thieves gospel, instead of the beautiful gospel. Now, Simon Sinek, he's a a leader and teaches on leadership, teaches on uh, business and different things. He has a good quote uh, it says there are there are only uh, two ways to influence human behavior. You can manipulate people, or you can inspire people. And so now let's look at this when we talk about the thieves' gospel and the beautiful gospel. The thieves' gospel, what happens is it manipulates. It has a list. It has checks. It has punishment. It has works. Um, there's a price for it, right? And that price could equal promotion. Maybe, maybe not. But that promotion is built on fear because as soon as you break one thing, then you're back down at the bottom because it's a system of lists, a system of ladders. Um, Everything is built on peer pressure. Uh, It can build false aspirations and novelty. In other words, good old time religion. Um, So the good feelings that might come out of this system eventually begins to fall short and it can lead to spiritual death. And that's why in religious systems, you will see a lot of young people be full of flame and fire um, in their early teenage years. But by the time they become seniors in high school into college, they're done with it because they recognize the manipulation and they're just done. Let's take a look at this versus the beautiful gospel, what Jesus brings, right? Because Jesus inspires. Instead of having lists, what he has are stories. Instead of trying to uh, manipulate somebody's behavior, 
he comes in with a story and shares, hey, listen, if you build your house on a rock, it's not going to fall down. But if you continue to build your house on sand, eventually it's going to sink. See, there's a difference. There's inspiration. There's, there's showing you the destruction that can happen when you continue to allow broken things in your life. He doesn't say, don't do the broken things. He's coming in with a story and saying, hey, listen, if you continue to have these broken things around you, you're going to continue to break things and you're just continually to be in pain. He also, instead of checks, he's got grace. Instead of punishment, there's relationship. Instead of works, there is, hey, let's do this together. There's shared life. We're walking in this. One seeks control. The other offers freedom. The church is supposed to be the one that inspires, not manipulates. The reason why we're supposed to inspire is because we're an organic entity. We are totally based on relationship. That relationship is fueled by sympathy, empathy, and compassion. We should be living for community. We should be living for family. And 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 this is the picture that I want you to get because I know it has been taught a ton that the kingdom is uh, the kingdom of God is almost like a government or almost like some system uh, where you've got a king and a queen and and all that and. I just want you to go back in your mind and go back in the Old Testament and look when Israel started asking for a king, what did God say? You don't want that. You don't want a king. I'm telling you right now, that's not what you want. Why was he saying that? Because kings and kingdoms will all pass away. Kings and kingdoms will always falter. They will always fail. They will always get into a position where they do this, where they have a thieves gospel one way or the other. They begin to manipulate, begin to try to take control, and then wind up with broken people. Now, even though the word kingdom is used quite a bit when it talks about uh, uh, when it talks about what God is releasing. It's actually, if you go back and you look at what he initiated with Adam, even all the way back, you know, with Adam and Eve, and then even with Abraham later on, the picture here is not a system. It's not a government. It's actually family. It's sitting at a table. Abraham with his sons and daughters sitting at a table, this family. He took his family with them out into the desert, took his family looking for the city, which had no foundation, as, as it says in uh, in Romans or Hebrews, can't remember which one, <laughs> but it was family, and, and you see this. Uh, that's what God has been um, speaking to and working with all throughout the whole shebang. And then you get all the way to Jesus, and He's reintroducing this concepts. He's saying, "We are sons and daughters. This is the relationship that He has with you." He even, uh, before the crucifixion, he has everyone, his followers, sitting at the table. They're all talking. And he, he says, listen, uh, uh, he shares the new covenant meal with them. And basically, introduction of here's the family. This is how we're going to live from here on out. And he says, the next time that you eat this with me, uh, it will be in this new reality, this new understanding, this new uh, place of family. Which we've been, which is what we've been trying to get to you forever. Um, 
And then on the road to Emmaus, you've got that couple on the way uh, outside of Jerusalem. They run into Jesus, and when they sit down with him and eat, their eyes are open, and they understand, oh, this is what this is about. And they burned with fire. It's so good, guys. This is this is what he was he was talking about. This is the family. This is the organic organic relationship that is fueled by sympathy, empathy, and compassion. This community. See, we spread inspiration through our stories of testimonies and of freedom and how and how we've received this new life. We share those things and it sets folks free. It's like our lives are literally parables that people can tap into and see the change. We're not to be using manipulative tactics in the Father's house. We're to let a brilliant light shine out into the darkness. The Den of Thieves gospel, it robs humanity of life. But the beautiful gospel brings freedom and life. See, I want to see you and me, everyone that we come into contact, set free and awaken to how God actually sees us. So we can actually do what we're purposed to do. See, It's just this this beautiful picture of how life can actually be lived when we see it from the Father's perspective. So um, this acronym that, that, that I told you about that kind of describes the theology of the beautiful gospel, um, the acronym is WEAT, and it stands for Wounded Children, human solidarity, exhaustive reconciliation, absolute grace, and transformative love. We're going to go through these over the next few weeks, and I really hope it opens your eyes so you can see just the revelation that Jesus brings about who the Father actually is and how he relates to humanity. And I have studied, man, I've studied the tulip, I've studied the rose, I've studied the daisy, the Calvinism, Molinism, Arminianism, all that stuff. I walked through it. I've read it, looked at it for years and years. I've followed some and, and there's always been something that bothered me about some of the terms and some of the things were brought out. And I just don't see the love, the agape that Jesus taught. And this, not that it's the end all be all, um, but this, uh, acronym and this thought process here process here through wheat I think really opens up uh, really opens up some new concepts to where we can actually grasp what the gospel actually is so I'm going to go through these real quick what wheat stands for and then we'll, we'll and then we'll break it down in later weeks okay so uh, wheat number one is the W and it stands for wounded children. And that simple breakdown is God does not view us as depraved creatures. We are God's children, and he views us as any good parent would their kids. God's desire is not to punish us, but to heal the wounds our sin causes. Totally gives you a completely different perspective of humanity and how God sees us. So good. Next is the H, and that stands for human solidarity. Brief synopsis is Jesus entered into solidarity with the whole human race, 
with his death, all humanity died with and with his resurrection, all humanity gained life. He did this for all, not some. And to me, that is the true definition of agape. He did this for all and not some. So that's the H. The E is exhaustive reconciliation. God has never needed to be reconciled to us. It's us who have turned from him. And God's desire is to reconcile all of creation to himself and to each other. He is, he is, uh, he has, he has alone, he has done and is doing and will continue to do everything possible to bring about our reconciliation. Reconciliation is an active, moving progression throughout all the earth. It's still moving. The A, absolute grace. God's grace is not coercive or manipulative, and it does not override our free will. It is, however, constantly poured out in full measure on all creation. And though every individual receives God's grace, some choose to resist uh, to resist it, placing themselves at odds with the intended state of humanity, or the intended state of relationship. So good. The last one, the T, transformative love. Salvation is a process with some steps going forward and some going backwards. When we simply submit to God's love, we are continually transformed into his image. So that's the simple breakdown of of the WEED acronym, and we're going to get more into that as we go. So... I want to give uh, give a few shout outs, okay? Uh, some some just so you can have some some thought process of some of the resources that I've used to come up with this series. I've relied heavily on um, Brad Jerzak, a couple of books of his, um, the book uh, "Beauty Will Save the World" by Brian Zond, um, and then there's a whole series of blog posts by Chuck McKnight. Um, there's the book love alone is credible by, uh, the last name is Von Balthasar and, um, also, um, relying a whole lot on the gospels and, um, some of the letters to Paul from the letters from Paul to the churches. And, and if you go to our website, you can go and check and see some of those things that I've listed, uh, that we have in this first, um, introduction. So uh, next week we will get to um, the first part of the beautiful gospel, and that is wounded children. So I just want to thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next time. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, check out our webpage. It's wearehopecommunity.com. Peruse some of the things that we got going on there. There's a blog, some more media. Um, there's a place to give if you would like to. Um, you can check out some other services that we have got. Um, but more importantly, we'd love to hear from you. And there's a place where you can just write a question, shoot us an email, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. You can also check out our Facebook page and our Instagram. Uh, you can connect to us, connect with us through those as well. But thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember that you are valuable beyond measure. <laughs>